Welcome to Coaching Culture, the podcast where we discuss how we can use sports and not let them use us. I'm J.P. Nervin, the founder of Thrive On Challenge, and the mission for this podcast is to connect leaders in athletics to help us create a transformational culture by building leadership and character. Now let's get started. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to thank the many listeners who have helped this podcast grow into what it is today. I couldn't have grown this podcast if you didn't share episodes either by messaging them to other people or sharing them on social media. And this week marks the one-year anniversary of the podcast. And the number of listeners has grown far beyond my expectations. And it's it's amazing and it's a little cringeworthy to listen back to some of those earlier episodes when I was just getting started. But it only makes me all the more excited for the next year of the podcast. And we have some amazing guests lined up and some great topics. And Nate and I are going to continue to work on providing better and better podcasts, providing more value for your time invested in listening to the podcast because we know your time is valuable. And we also know that we have a lot of room to grow. And so we're working to improve this every week. So thank you once again for all your continued support. Now, let's get into episode 54, Creating Collisions, Applying the Culture Code Part 2. And this week, we're going to be continuing our series based on the book Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And and Nate and I are going to be discussing today how we can build connections by creating collisions. JP, last week we tiptoed into the first third of Daniel Coyle's book, The Culture Code, talking about the importance of building connections um, when you're trying to establish a great culture. And this week we're going we're gonna to continue that conversation uh, again, upon the premise that Coyle talks about, which is culture is made up of, of living relationships. And those relationships are fed by um, communication, by personal interactions. And sometimes those personal interactions have to be structured. That You, you have to, as a coach, create opportunities um, for those interactions to take place. And we use the word collisions. We're actually stealing it out of the book. Uh, one of the chapters talks about being intentional about creating collisions between your people, between your players, between players and coaches, even between coaches on a staff. And that's really what we want to get into this week is what are the value, what is the value in creating those collisions and how is it done? And I want to start with just a story that Coyle talks about in in this section about uh, Greg Popovich, the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, and his first meeting with Tim Duncan after Duncan was taken uh, with the number one pick, I think it was in the 1997 draft. And uh, Popovich, in order to start building this relationship with this player that would become the, the staple of the Spurs over the next 19 seasons, flew out to the Virgin Islands where Duncan was from and spent four days with him. And uh, while he was out there, uh, Coyle talks about how they went to the beach, they shared meals together, and they talked about everything under the sun except basketball. And I thought that was such a great way, a great story to illustrate Popovich's intentionality in creating this time and creating this opportunity to get to know Tim Duncan, who would become his star player, um, through just a series of collisions, right, where they're kind of stuck together on this island, getting to know each other, even before they start doing anything with the game of basketball. And I know you've been really impressed, as I have, with Greg Popovich over the years, um, and there's some other things that Coyle talks about that have made him successful. What were some of your takeaways from uh, Coyle's commentary on the way Popovich builds the culture of the San Antonio Spurs? Well, I think it's really cool how he uses um, 
opportunities that I think we as coaches often shy away from or pass up on as opportunities for collision. And, and big thing is social matters. And he shares a story, Coyle shares a story about how Popovich, after a big loss, uh, the team thought they were going to go in for a normal film session and you know have film breakdown and, and kind of go through the loss. But instead he put on uh, a film about civil rights. And then, you know, they watched this movie about the civil rights in America. And then he started asking them questions like, what did you think of it? And what would you have done in that situation? And I think sometimes we try to build our team's culture in a vacuum from the culture that exists outside of our team. And when we do that, I think we're really missing out on some serious, like, um, seriously important and valuable conversations about society and the world and character and, and, and leadership but it also, I think it's kind of impossible. I think the fact that we try to think that our culture exists in this vacuum that isn't impacted by things in the outside world, that isn't impacted by social media and what's going on within, you know, politics and, and, and the wars out there, you know, that I, I think that that's impossible, especially for an international team like the Spurs, you know, the majority of their players are international players. And so I found that fascinating and it really challenged my perspective when it comes to team building activities like of, you know, yes, it's great to do the traditional ones, but just sitting down and creating these collisions, these conversations around important social matters, I thought was really clever. Well, I think some of the value in that is not just understanding the impact of the, the greater culture on what we're trying to build within our team, um, but those conversations can really help you to understand one another, right? You start to understand as you said, with an international team, players coming from different backgrounds, speaking different languages, having different upbringings, um, that you start to learn how they think. You start to learn about the experiences in their life that, that shape them. Um, and certainly there's lots of ways to get into those conversations that aren't necessarily just around current events or historical events, but even you know asking your players and having them share in small groups or in, a, in a, the start of a film session you know, with your players about Tell me about somebody that was been, that's been influential in your life, or tell us a little bit of a story about uh, one of your memories that has shaped who you are today. You know, and even kids that are in in high school will be able to answer those questions and learn a little bit about each other. And I think that's one of the things that that is the the byproduct of these collisions is it leads to understanding between the players and the people that are on your team. Nate, another thing that's really cool about Popovich is not only does he create a lot of these collisions within the, within the Spurs organization, but he really presents an authentic version of himself in these collisions. And Coyle actually describes him not like a commanding general, but more like a disheveled uncle at a picnic. And I think that you know the, the, the physical, the way he looks, um, also is mirrored in many of his behaviors. You know, the way he comes over and he connects with players to tie in with what we talked about last week as far as you know, putting his arm around his players, uh, wrestling with a guy before practice, um, learning multiple languages, speaking to the players in their language. You know, and I think that that's that those type of behaviors are critical so that when you get in and you have those collisions, that you can start to form those connections. And one of the things I think is important for coaches to keep in mind is that there are some teams that are going to do this naturally. I mean, there are going to be some teams that are tight-knit, their personalities blend, and they naturally interact with each other, learn about each other, share with each other. But I think that's probably outside the norm. And, and one of the things that we're trying to do very deliberately as we get ready for our season to start here in November is figure out ways that we can 
create those collisions, that we can make space for them to happen. And so, you know, a couple of things we did even at our, our summer camp um, in June, we did speed dating at the start of every day. So we had 35, 40 kids in the gym and we set up, you know, lines of six chairs that were opposite each other and the kids would have 30 seconds to share and answer a question that I would ask. So they'd share, A would share with B, B would share with A, and then we would rotate and they'd be matched up with somebody else, get a new question. And so freshman through senior, we were just mixing our kids up and forcing them to share a little bit about themselves just to create some of those, again, those collisions and interactions that don't necessarily happen naturally over the course of a season. Nate, one of the things that I always felt that I struggled with when it came to those moments of collisions uh, with, with players was the age gap and just the generation gap, right? And I've kind of noticed over the last few years something that's very popular with a lot of the teams that I've worked with is dancing. Like, players love to dance. They're always about knowing the newest dance move. And I obviously am not a great dancer and don't know the latest dance move, but I've actually recently have started asking, uh, like, a team locally I work with, you know, can you guys teach me before practice this new the new move that I see you guys all doing? And it's actually created this really funny, awkward, I'm totally uncomfortable, totally feel like an idiot, but these kind of opportunities where they're teaching me something that they find enjoyable and I'm learning more about them and something that they're interested in. It's not even something that's very serious, right? We talked about last week about something that's creating moments of humor and laughter and it's all at my expense, I get that, uh, but it's also helped to build the connections between me and them. From what I've heard from your players, your dancing skills were made to be a podcast commentator. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing we're going to try to do this year, and this is stolen from TJ Rosine, who's the head men's basketball coach at Emmanuel College, is really scheduling out during the season opportunities for me to connect with our players individually or in small groups. You know, at the end of every season, we always do exit interviews with our players and all sit down for 45 minutes to an hour asking our players a series of questions that, you know, get them to reflect on their experience during the season. Really, we're looking for feedback on how to do things better and what they like and that sort of thing. But one of the things that one of our players said to us last year at the end of our meeting was, she said, you know, this is really great to be able to just have this conversation. I wish we could do this during the season, maybe not for 45 minutes, but just to be able to check in at points where, you know, we could talk about things that might be frustrating her. She could ask questions about things she didn't understand. You know, or we could just figure out where everybody's at, how she's doing, how classes are going, that kind of thing. And it really started my thinking about that. I listened to TJ talk about how he he creates a calendar of his entire season and schedules first a round of individual meetings that are, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, depending on what you can fit in before or after a practice, on the bus, on the way home, waiting in the gym, you know, for the court to be ready or something like that, of just checking in with guys. And he does that individually first, and then the second round he does it in pairs. So, you know, for us, we my JV coach likes to get to the gym absurdly early before our games. We have an hour even before our JV game starts where my varsity players and I are just kind of milling around, you know, killing time. And we're going to start scheduling, two, you know, first individual meetings and then two players meeting with me at the top of the bleacher and just, you know, getting checking in, seeing how things are going, how's your family, how's school, are they frustrated with anything? Do they have questions about anything, you know, as we're going through the season? And I think that creates an opportunity to facilitate a little bit of that sharing where not only am I going to be able to connect more and, and validate them more and be able to clear up any miscommunications, but they'll be able to exchange kind of their 
their take on their experience at that point in the year. And then, and then TJ goes another round and does it in groups of three, so three players and a coach kind of doing the same thing. And I really like that idea a lot because, again, I think it facilitates some of those collisions where you can script what players are going to meet with you, but you can kind of lead that conversation so that they get to know each other a little bit better, they connect with you, um, and out of that you get all of some of the things we talked about last week, that affirmation, that validation, um, it facilitates that communication, and, uh, and again, it's a way that you have to be intentional about it, but it creates some of those collisions that we're talking about here. Yeah, and Nate, and that's one example of a way that we can be really intentional about it, but there's also some ways that I think you know Coil gets into to help these things happen a little bit more organically, to create uh, these collisions more organically. And he talks about it kind of like architecting the environment. And you know it sounds simple, but like something like in Pixar, um, the head of Pixar, how they try to design the building to create collisions where people are coming to common areas. And so when I think about well, how might that apply to a basketball team, it is you know oftentimes players like to hang out in certain groups on the bus and different stuff like that and creating some sort of rotating schedule or something like that's going to help to create more collisions with people that wouldn't necessarily sit next to each other, sit in the same area. At team meals, Popovich is so incredibly intentional about it. He'd show up to a restaurant early and he'd actually make sure, he'd be intentional about where people would be sitting, where their family would be sitting. He wanted to create these collisions. And so he's kind of behind the scenes pulling the strings um, and I think people don't even realize it sometimes. And I, I even look back to when we talk about these one-on-ones or these, you know, these three on uh, these conversations you had with uh, the coach and three players. Where are people sitting in the room? I think it really matters, right? I, I know that for years I used to do one-on-ones or I'd sit behind a desk and the player would be sitting in the classroom in there like a student's desk. And I stopped that after a while. I realized I need to get out there and I need to be sitting in a desk with them. I need to be sitting alongside them. You know, and I think you do something that's really cool. You like to have these conversations in the bus where you're sitting alongside of people. And I think that stuff is fantastic where you're kind of architecting the environment to create more organic and authentic collisions. And I was really challenged in reading this book, just even thinking about the 10 minutes before our practice starts. Um, where do I put the basketballs? Like the one place that every kid coming into a gym is going to go is to get a basketball. So we've always just put them outside the closet door, right? But what if we put those at half court? You know, we created that like kids have to walk away to get to the ball. They're walking with each other. The coaches are just hanging out around the ball cages at half court. That gives us an opportunity to, you know, just say, hey, and greet them to start practice or whatever. Um, I've thought about our film room. You know, I see a lot of pictures of these state-of-the-art film rooms at colleges that are theater seating and they're padded seats, but they're built like a movie theater. And one of the things that, you know, Coyle talks about is these great cultures in their interactions are face-to-face. They're close in proximity and they're face-to-face. Well, when we watched film last year, we sat at desks, but the desks were road. And so we had players that were, had their backs to other players. That doesn't really facilitate having conversations, sharing ideas, being open to one another, recognizing who's speaking, giving eye contact. And a lot of that's on me for not architecting the environment to create more of those collisions. Yeah, and so this was really actually cool because it kind of affirmed some of the changes I had made a few years ago, which was we used to do film just like you described, where you're kind of like a classroom type setting. And we started doing all of our meetings, our film meetings, in a U. And so everybody could still see this projector, 
but they could also face, they were always facing across uh, from someone and they could see each other. And so when people are giving each other feedback, when they're giving the breakdown, they have to be looking at each other and there's that connection and there's, and I think that's really, really critical, uh, especially as we try to talk about later on the importance of feedback. JP, I love the idea of shaping your film room like a U because it's so similar to the circle that we talked about last week and the value in not only that that symbol, but being able to um, encourage your players to give each other eye contact and to be able to respond to one another's body language and facial expressions. And again, sometimes as coaches, we just don't realize that we have more control over that scene than, than what we think we do. Um, and so... What we're going to do here to kind of wrap up this week is we're going to just go ping pong style here a little bit back and forth of sharing some other ideas, some other activities, some other things that we've done and had some experience with to try to help facilitate opportunities for players to connect and to collide with each other. And I'm going to start with one here with team dinners. Um, We try to schedule team dinners every other week throughout the course of our season. I don't think that's unique in any way. But one thing that we definitely try to do every time we get together is we eat together at tables and then we do some sort of game or activity or something. So um, I recently bought this book called 101 Improv Games for Children. Um, And it was actually made for like five to eight year olds. But some of the improv games are just, they're silly and they're fun and they're quick. And so we've done a lot of those at the end of our team dinners where we'll put them in groups of three or four and they have to act out a scene according to you know the rules of one of these improv games. And what we've gotten out of that is is it puts players in a place of a little bit of vulnerability in front of their team, but it leads to lots of laughter, lots of inside jokes that come out of that, you know, that carry with us for the rest of the year. Um, and again, it's putting them in different groups, they're performing in front of one another, and it just builds opportunities for those collisions to happen. It's fun, and the kids have loved it and responded great. You know, I love that, and I think that can be a great follow-up to one of the things I think is really critical in a team meal, which is to get them to put their phones up. And, you know, obviously as a coach yourself to do that as well, to model that, and then to kind of follow up with something fun, you know, because they're going to have that, you know, actually James Clear has written some some, uh, different articles about this, the emotional stress and anxiety people experience when they, they separate from their phones. So good to do something fun like that could be really cool. Um, I also loved the part that I would do when my team would travel away to tournaments and we would stay over at a house. I much prefer to stay at a house uh, because I felt like I could control the environment better than a hotel room. And one of the things that we could do is also we'd save a lot of money because we'd cook meals. But it wouldn't just be the coaches cooking the meals. We would break them into small little teams. So you had a team of 12, you have four teams of three or three teams of four, and they would be responsible one night for cooking the meal. Maybe one night they would also uh, that that the next night they would be there to turn to to clean up, um, you know, just giving them different tasks along that creates collisions, literally making it almost like a family, like everyone's chipping and everyone's being a part uh, of that team meal. Well, as long as we're talking about food here, and I love this theme, I'll give you two other things that we've done with some team dinners over the years. Uh, one that I really enjoyed was uh, we tied our kids together. So they didn't know what was going on, but before we went up to eat a team meal, we got them in a circle in the gym, and we just got some rubber bands, and we had them hold hands in their circle, and we put rubber bands around their hands, so they were bound together, one hand tied to the person next to them, and then we sent them up to the cafeteria to go eat. 
And so what the, the lesson out of that, obviously, is it's, it's fun and it's different, but it, there's a lesson in terms of there's nothing that you do on this team that doesn't affect somebody else. And so it was a, it was a really clear way to start into that discussion. It was fun. Um, you know, you can script who's tied to who, you know, and that kind of thing. We had coaches involved with it also. And so that was a lot of fun. And another one we've done is uh, not only have the players cook the meal, but we've had the players serve each other. In other words, we did a, a night last year mm-hmm. where we got soup and, soup and salad and breadsticks, and they would have to sit across from somebody and feed them their soup and feed them their breadstick and feed them their Gatorade or whatever it is that they were drinking. And, um, you know, again, it, it goes into this idea of service. And when you're serving other people, you have to really pay attention to the person that you're serving. Um, a lot of fun, right? It's different. Again, creates memories and uh, creates some of those fun collisions for kids. So, Nate, a really cool story was a few years ago, um, I was taking my team uh, to, a, to a tournament at Christmas time. And we were going to be going out to eat. And like many coaches out there, I'm sure that you have gone through the experience where you take your team out to eat. And honestly, they don't have the best manners and it can actually be a little bit of appalling at times. So before we went out to eat this time, I actually sat down with them and asked them, you know, what would exceptional good manners look like? Like, you know, if we're out to eat, you know, when it, as far as if you're another guest at that restaurant, how would you want this team of basketball players to behave next to you? And then we talked about how the waiter or the waitress would, you know, what would be great manners for them. And then we just talked about the person next to you, the person across from you. And we just talked about those type of things that I think sometimes our players don't get at home or maybe they get at home and they just kind of forget once they get out and they're with their friends. And the really cool part of the story was, so we went in there and our guys nailed it. They were awesome. And we had showed up in our school bus and we were parked out in the parking lot. We're eight hours away down in Florida eight hours away from Tennessee, somebody sees that bus, sees our team in there, and they take a picture of the bus, and they post on Facebook because they knew a lady that lived in the same town that we came from in Tennessee. And she says, do you know this high school? I, we saw this group of boys dining in the Olive Garden, and they were the most well-behaved, well-mannered young men we had ever seen. And when, we walked, when they walked in, we went, oh boy, here comes a, a high school basketball team. And we were so worried, but they were so well behaved. Well, this actually went viral and people were sharing it all over, all about this really, really well behaved team. And I couldn't have been more proud. I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't been a little bit more intentional, though, about talking about how we should behave and talk about those character skills. And so we took that opportunity. We enjoyed ourselves. It was a great collision, but it also really represented the program really well. Well, as we finish up this episode this week, I think the most important thing for coaches to remember is this. Nothing that we talk about going forward in this series is going to matter or going to work if you don't get the connection piece right. If you aren't able to build connections with your players, with the coaches on your staff, and encourage your players, help your players, facilitate opportunities for your players to build those connections with each other, what we talk about next week with vulnerability is not going to work. And what we talk about after that, we get into purpose, isn't going to matter if you don't create that environment where everyone feels like it's safe to be me, this is a place that I belong, I feel connected here, and this is where I want to be, and we are glad to have you here. That is by far the biggest takeaway from this book for me is if I don't get that right, and all of the, the complaints and all of the you know, frustrations that players have had that have played for me over the years, when I look back at the root of their concern, 
it came down to that. They didn't feel like they were made to be part of what we were doing. So as you, you know, think about some of the practical stuff we shared this week, really consider what fits for your team. But if you don't get it right, none of the other things that we're going to talk about are going to work going forward. That's it for today. If you liked today's episode, be sure to share it with some of our coaches out there and post it on social media. Also, if you haven't done already, be sure to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at thriveonchallenge.com for the PDF podcast notes. If you want previous episode notes, just shoot me an email. My details are in the information section of this podcast. Thanks for listening in. Have a good one.